This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. You get a stomach pain or a dull ache in your lower back and you automatically think the worst. But most times it's just a strain or a minor illness. But what symptoms should you never ignore? Dr. Zach Levine, Fightback's resident medical expert, joins us now on the line to talk about what symptoms you should contact your doctor about immediately. He'll also take your calls at 416-360-0740 or 1-866-744-740. Hi, Dr. Zach. Hi, Jane. Let's go with that question first. What symptoms should you never ignore? Well, it's a tough one, and, you know, everyone has a different threshold for what brings them into the doctor, and some people will go in, you know, they get worried about little things, and other people, you know, they're at, they're at death's door before they go see the doctor. And the truth is, um, all the symptoms that uh, I can mention, and I will mention, you know, they can be from benign things, you know. I, I mean, one of the most common ones is back pain. Ninety percent of back pains are benign, and they just sort of go away without any treatment except for maybe pain control. But the things, each of these symptoms has some red flags, as we call them. So if you have a history, and so for back pain, the red flags are the following. Uh, any trauma, because we worry about a fracture. Uh, cancer, if you have a, a history of cancer, we always worry that it could go to the bones. A night sweats, fever and chills, which could be an infection. Uh, unexplained weight loss, again, uh, could be associated with cancer. And, and then if you have neurological symptoms, like weakness or numbness in your legs, or urinary retention or incontinence, that makes us worried that it may be actually, whatever it is, may be pushing on the spinal cord, and that needs to be addressed right away. So it's, it's uh, all these things, it depends what the symptoms come with. But if they're not normal for you, then that's when you should start to consider, you know, getting it checked out. Okay, that's a good rule of thumb. Everybody wants to talk to you today, Dr. Zach, so let's go to Lorna in Midland. Lorna, go ahead, your question. Yes, good morning, everyone. Hello, hello. Uh, my problem is, if I'm walking around the house or down shopping and I'm stopping and walking, I'm okay. But if I was to walk around the block, mm-hmm. I would have to stop a couple of times with the pain in my hips. Mm-hmm. And someone suggested it might be spinal stenosis. Now, if this is the problem, what tests would I maybe be having? Okay, well, so it's a very good question. So. So I'm glad that you're walking. That's the main thing. And what spinal stenosis, just for people who don't know, it's a, it's a narrowing of the space within the spine through which the spinal cord goes. Right. And the symptoms that people have is, yes, pain when they exert themselves. And usually it's in the legs. But, you know, different people, we're, actually I was at a lecture this morning, and sometimes hip pain can come from back. It can come from knees. So uh, the, the pain isn't necessarily specific to uh, one spot. So the way that you, the way to diagnose spinal stenosis would be an imaging of the spine. So they have to do either a CT scan or an MRI. Something, an X-ray isn't good enough because X-rays just show the bones. You need to be able to see the soft tissues and the area around the spinal cord. So mm-hmm. either of those tests would be the best to figure okay. out. Okay, I've already had that blood flow test okay. done to see. Yeah, so that's that, good. But it was okay. So yeah, 
So that's good, and that you know it's important to rule things out one at a time. But you wouldn't necessarily uh, have a the, the one thing about spinal stenosis is it's not affecting the blood flow; mm-hmm. it's affecting the nerves. So you'd ha- you need to have a different study to actually be able to see. So you could have a normal blood flow study and still have spinal stenosis. So it's worthwhile checking out, talking to your doctor about. Okay, well, Lorna. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks for calling in. Your calls for Dr. Zach, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Douglas in Oakville, go ahead. You're on Zoomer Radio. Oh, hi. Uh, The doctor, I was uh, diagnosed a hereditary problem with gout that my father had, and it's very painful sometimes. Yes. Now, I haven't had a gout attack in two, three years. Oh. Now, when I had my last uh, blood work done, they said I was diabetic now. Oh, okay. Is, is there a connection with that? or Not necessarily. I mean, the only thing I would say, you know, as you probably know, gout, uh, and actually for people who don't know, gout is one of the, it's an arthritis. Arthritis is just Yeah, and you get and you get crystals. So gout is when you get these oh, yeah, crystals painful, in the joint. Yeah. <laughs> and they're related to uric acid. Um, and so one of the things that uh, is recommended is to try and cut down on things like uh, meat, beef, Red meat and, and liver alcohol. and all that, yeah. Exactly, right. those things help. But I, I don't do that. But So what happens now, my last blood results said that yeah. I had, uh, I'm, I'm diabetic now. I yeah. was very close and now I'm over the border. Okay, Douglas, let's let uh, the doctor see, tell us if there's a correlation. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. So to get back to your actual question, there was a study, actually, um, in, in 2014 that, that found there was a link between uh, gout and type 2 diabetes. It showed, actually, that having gout appears to increase the risk of di- developing diabetes, although they have a lot of risk factors in common. So, some, so diet is one of them, weight is another one. So one, does, one certainly doesn't cause the other, but there is a correlation. Uh, and the other thing that's similar about them is there are dietary things you can do with your diet that can decrease, you know, the incidence of gout and also help you control your blood sugar. Oh, yeah, I know. You you don't eat sugar or or pop, Coca-Cola. Exactly. And then you're down. Okay. All right, Douglas. Get another blood test and see how I do. Yes, good good. luck with that. Thanks for calling in. Let's go to Steve in Toronto. Steve, hi, you're with Jane and Dr. Zach on Zoomer Radio. Uh, hi, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate uh, programs like this on the radio. No problem. Go ahead. Uh, I'm a 53-year-old male. I'm in generally good health. I haven't had any health problems uh, in my life. Uh, recently, it's been about a week now, uh, I'm getting a, an increasing pain on my right side in the front under my lower right rib cage, And when I push upon my lower right side ribs... Um, it's uh, getting increasingly painful. I went to see my doctor. Uh, he sent me for chest x-ray, um, which I'm still waiting to hear back from. Um, I've been doing some research on the Internet, and there's a lot of information that seems to be pointing to possibly gall ba- uh, gallbladder, gallstones, or liver ailments. And I'm wondering if you might uh, be able to give me some insight on that. Yeah, absolutely. So. And it's exactly right. I mean, one of the things we use for pain is location. And, and as you're referring to right lower chest or right upper abdomen pain is, 
usually what we'll think of is, yes, something in the lower lungs or something in the upper right abdomen, and that usually means gallbladder or liver. The way to, so the chest x-ray is a good idea, absolutely. Uh, the other thing we look at is what symptoms. So if there's any respiratory symptoms, you know, cough or shortness of breath or anything, we think more lungs. If there's anything, if it gets worse, for example, when you eat, especially fatty foods, then we think it's more related to the gallbladder. And the way to diagnose that is usually either an ultrasound or a CT scan of the abdomen. So if the chest X-ray, you know, a chest X-ray is a good first step. Usually you can get it pretty quick. Um, but if that, obviously, if that's normal and the pain persists, then if if gallbladder or liver is a consideration, the things that would be uh, prudent to do would be blood tests and either an ultrasound or a CT scan. Okay, Steve? Uh, yeah, uh, if I just may expand on that. Um, I don't have any lung issues as far as coughing or anything. Uh, I'm a sort of part-time runner as well. Um, so that's, I don't think it's a lung-related issue. I think it's more gallbladder. Um, you're saying what I should go for is blood tests to determine that or CAT scan and uh, um, uh, the other that you mentioned? Well, so blood tests are helpful. To actually make the diagnosis, you need some kind of imaging. They have to, we have to be able to see the gallbladder. So for that, you need either an ultrasound or a CT scan. Actually, for the gallbladder itself, an ultrasound is better. The reason we do the blood tests is it shows us, because you can actually have blood, you can have gallstones without, with normal blood tests, but one of the things it will show you is if there's any blockage of the bile, it'll show you because you'll have elevated liver enzymes. And also, if there's any infection, you'll have an elevated white blood cell count. If you had to choose, I would say you should get the but usually we'll do both. Okay, Steve, I'm going to let you go. I hope that was helpful. Let's go to Joan in Oshawa. Hi, you're on with Dr. Zach. Joan. Good afternoon, Jane. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. What's your question? Hi, Dr. Zach. Um, I have uh, there's two difficulties that I have. I'm going to make them short. Um, what is it called, Dr. Zach, when they find it's called ground, like ground glass on the right lung? Okay. And uh, what is the terminology for that? And the, um, they've already sent me for three CAT scans. Isn't that a little bit much in less than two years? What is Joan referencing there, ground glass? Yeah, so ground glass opacity or ground glass opacification is a term that's used uh, when we look at imaging of the lungs. Uh-huh. And it ha- it's, it's not a specific sign, so that's why they keep having you do these tests. Basically, it can, it can be, it's a sign of something going on in the lungs, but it can be from infection, it can be from inflammatory disease, and it can be from interstitial, different types of diseases. So that's, and so that's why they have you doing all these different tests, because just seeing that doesn't tell you enough. They have to do more specific. Um, in terms of why they keep uh, the, the CAT scans, you're right. I mean, the more CAT scans you have, uh, it's not great because it's exposure to radiation. Um, however, it's always a risk-benefit. So it's worth, you know, you can always ask your doctor about it, you know, how much radiation you're being exposed to and how much risk that puts you at. If you haven't had many, many CT scans over your lifetime, then it may not be a big deal for you, the risk of it. But it's 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 a you know it's a valid concern absolutely. Right. The other thing is I'm experiencing my face and neck get red like beet red, and that's been going on for years. Now it's affecting the whole body. My whole body, the temperature goes up, and uh, I can't can't take any heat. Um, even in the house, it has to be very low. So oh, you're flushed, Joan? You're, Dr. Zach. Are you flushed? Is that what the redness is? 
Yes, and it's not, um, oh, what do they, they call it? It's not rosacea. Oh, okay. That was ruled out years ago. Okay. I'll, le- I'll let you go, and uh, Dr. Zach will respond to that. Yeah, well, that's interesting. So, Joan, I just had one question. Have you noticed anything that brings it on in particular? Does anything cause it? Oh, sorry. We, I just oh, let her go. <laughs> I let her go. No, that's fine. That's I want to get to the, we've got a couple more calls oh, and we okay. just have two minutes left. It just, you know, it seems like a reaction. We get flushed when we have, when the blood vessels at the surface of our skin dilate and it's, it's just a reaction to certain things. So it can be a reaction like uh, irritants or allergens. That's why I was asking about that. And it, and it does give you the feeling of heat. But what I, my suggestion would be to try and either keep a diary or try and remember when it happens, and then she can try and figure out what the trigger is, and the trigger will give her a clue to what, what the cause is. Okay, hopefully that's helpful. I think we've just got time for one more here. Let's go to Carol in Kingston. Hi, Carol. You're on Zoomer Radio. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I'll be quick. Okay. <laughs> I have Dr. Zach's sciatica and bursitis, mm-hmm. and at any given time, one or the other speaks to me in a very nasty way. Mm-hmm. And what I take for it is extra strength Advil, so how hard is that on my liver? So let's say I might take 800 milligrams maybe once or twice a week because okay. I'm, once it starts acting up, I lay down because that's what makes it better. Right. So I'm concerned about not taking too much, and, and I'm very not into taking pills. Yeah. So that's my question. How hard would that be on the liver? Well, so anti-inflammatories, that, so uh, Advil or Motrin, which is ibuprofen, that's an anti-inflammatory. And basically, we don't worry about the liver that much with that. We worry about the liver more with Tylenol or acetaminophen. Oh. However, <laughs> we do worry about, we worry about the kidneys more and also about the stomach and people, in, in people who have a, a tendency towards uh, stomach ulceration, like ulcers or even gastritis. Uh, having said that, 800 milligrams, it's a pretty high dose, but if you're only taking it a couple of times a week, that's not, uh, that wouldn't really necessarily concern me. Okay. Unless you're having other symptoms. It, it may, it's probably worthwhile to now and then with your doctor get a blood test just to check your kidney function. But, but having that once or twice a week is not, uh, it's not a, a big deal. The, the issue is that people, if people are having, for example, 600 milligrams four times a day, uh, for weeks, that that then you start to worry. That that's quite a bit. Right, understood, Doctor Zach. Thanks. We'll Thank lo- we'll look forward to having you back, so uh, everybody can get to you the next time. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.